Hello there. You're listening to The Box Office Show. I'm Ryan Hill. And I'm Dylan Johnson. Today we're going to be talking about the box office numbers from last weekend and our box office predictions for this upcoming weekend. We'll also be revisiting our discussion of James Cameron and sequels since he has made his long-awaited return to cinema with the next installment of his Avatar franchise, Avatar The Way of Water. begin with some news continuing the Henry Cavill saga we got an update where he has come out and reported that he is working on an adaptation of Warhammer 40,000 which is some like tabletop game it's been around for decades that he very much enjoys and he has decided that he wants to bring it to series with Avatar or <laughs> Avatar's on my mind with Amazon <laughs> And so, yeah, he is working with this production company, and apparently they're very close to getting that uh, deal sealed. But what do you think about this? Instead of Witcher, instead of Superman, he's right on his way to another franchise. I have no idea what this is. I have never heard of it before (laughs) until he mentioned that he was making an adaptation of it. I have no idea what it's going to be like. I'm assuming just another fantasy thing. Yeah. But uh, sure. I mean, I'm not stoked or anything. It's some like far future dystopian sci-fi thing. I have heard of it, but apparently, I don't know, there's like two versions of it. There's Warhammer and then Warhammer 40,000. And I thought it was just like some video game RPG thing. But no, apparently it originally has a tabletop and then it has all these various like video games that have been licensed and novels and whatnot. It's a huge sprawling world apparently, so they don't know what aspect of the universe that he's going to try and adapt but it is something he's been a major fan of just like with the witcher but this time he'll be able to have creative control over it he'll be starring in the series and having executive producer duties on it so yeah this will be his own little franchise that he'll be able to control and he won't get booted from it or get annoyed by the writing staff to make him want to leave so yeah hopefully this will be a good next step for his career in terms of Dwayne Johnson's career, unfortunately, he will no longer be able to be changing any hierarchies of power anymore as he came out on social media as the James Gunn to confirm that in the new DC universe, Black Adam will not be going forward, at least not in the first stage. You know, Dwayne Johnson always has to sell it up, sell up the possibility of a big return And so there's a possibility that whenever they do a multiverse sort of storyline, his Black Adam can come back. But for the most part, it's not like we'll be saying Black Adam 2. So what are your thoughts on that? I don't care. (laughs) I don't care about Black Adam one bit. Not even slightly. Gotcha. All right. (laughs) Then we can move on to the box office breakdown for December 16th to the 18th which is when Avatar The Way of Water had its opening. It made $134 million domestically, and then worldwide it had in total a $430 million start. How do you feel about is, that? It's solid. I mean, the Even expectations... Even domestically? 
Yeah, even domestically. I mean, the expectations had risen dramatically as they got closer to releasing. But, I mean, to put that in context, it's still the fourth or fifth biggest opening of the year. It was over Top Gun Maverick. I think it just came in at around where the Batman was. And it's Avatar. It's James Cameron. We know Mm -hmm. that the legs are what's going to define the box office story for this film. Not necessarily a huge opening like a Marvel film or any other superhero film. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's very solid. I mean, a 430 million star is huge. And as we'll talk about a little later, Avatar is already crossing some big milestones. Yeah, I agree. In in second place, your film, Black Mm -hmm. Panther Wakanda Forever, with 5.3 million, still chugging along. Yep, and then Violet Night with 5 million. Strange World, 2.2 million. The Menu, 1.6 million. Now dropping below 1 million. All the rest of the films on top 10. Devotion, 780,000. The Fablemans, 740,000. It's a Wonderful Life for its 75th anniversary, 730,000. Black Adam, 445,000. And I Heard the Bells hanging on for a third time in the top 10. And for the box office predictions for Christmas weekend, the 23rd to the 25th, which have already happened. I hope everyone's Christmas and holiday was amazing. But as you remember, even down in Florida, we got hit with some bitter cold. It was far worse up in the north. So not only was it Christmas weekend, which sort of dampens the box office. It was Christmas Eve falling on a Saturday. Not many people are going out to theaters during that time, especially. And then the winter storm, not many people wanted to venture out of their home. And in some places, it was so bad that theaters were closed. So that definitely hit the box office somewhat um and we had a bunch of new releases that got affected puss in boots the last wish that got around 12 million in the weekend 26 million total so far which again is not a thunderous beginning to its box office but it should be able to have some good holds in the coming week and yeah hopefully it'll fare well because apparently yeah, it's a we'll good so we'll see uh babylon made three million and it's debut weekend which is a big flop it surely is and that thing has a production budget of somewhere from 80 million to 115 million something like that i don't know if we're gonna get the confirmed number on that but either way you slice it it is not looking good for that film financially which is a shame because it's a very weird unique swing from a big studio and we don't get that often anymore and this is going to make them even more hesitant to put something like this out there but alas we also have whitney houston i want to love somebody that biopic came out made four million over the three-day weekend so and avatar 2 made 64 million in the christmas weekend it has now crossed 1 billion went 300 million domestically and 700 million internationally congratulations ryan you've crossed oh, thanks. A billion. thanks we all so knew it was much. gonna happen it was <laughs> bound to happen for sure but did you think it would happen this quickly? And how are you feeling now about your prediction that you gave last week? But you said, what, 1.2 or 3 or 4? I said 1.2, but 1.5 cap. I still feel fairly confident. Are you sure? It made $1 billion in just about two weeks. Yeah. You think it won't be able to make $500 million more? I mean, it's slowing down significantly. Um, Wrong. It's picking up the pace, my guy. I mean, come on. 
was it made like 300 million over this past weekend that's huge was he that's massive was i think it? you're coping hard right now sure there's no way it's not going to cross 1.5 billion if it's already made 1 billion in just two weeks was he it's got the huge this week is going to be huge because everyone's off the winter storm is cooling well not cooling down now it's leaving so things are warming up a little bit so people will cooling feel like out and then you have all of january where there's nothing and we know this is going to be a leggy film you're telling me it doesn't have more than 500 million in the tank was he get out of here man i'm still this is uh reinforcing the hopes for two billion so i am thrilled I'm excited. I'm also excited for Puss in Boots to pick up the pace as well. Oh, it won't. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it sure will. Oh, Puss in Boots won't. I mean, this past Monday, it already made more than any other day it's been released. So I'm telling you, this post-Christmas corridor, it's going to be huge. But enough of the box office. Let's now talk about the, the films themselves. And we'll go back to the 2009 phenomenon itself, Avatar. Were you a part of the phenomenon back in 09? I saw it once. Saw it once? Saw it once in 09. I went in theaters. I was nine years old. I watched it. Uh, I think I liked it. And then I realized, re-watching it recently, that I had not seen it since. And I didn't remember almost anything. Really? forgot nearly everything. I forgot that he had a brother who died. I forgot that there was narration in it. Mm-hmm. I forgot a majority of the characters. I remember, I remember the scene where he goes and he flies on the banshee for the first time. Yeah, I remember the final fight scene in front of the trailer. I remember Sigourney Weaver dying, and I think that's it. Rip. Yep. Wow. I remember yeah. almost none of the rest of it. But uh, no, I was not like a huge like, oh my god, Avatar is the best thing ever kind of guy, and I was not pushing that for thirteen years. You know. <laughs> Interesting. I was not on the bandwagon for sure. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just was not on the bandwagon. Yeah, we'll talk about that. The real bandwagon was actually against the film. But yeah, I was also a part of it in 09. <laughs> I was I remember being brought to the theater. I thought I was going to be seeing Avatar The Last Airbender, that movie. Because I knew Classic. that that adaptation was coming out. That came out a year later. Or I guess just well, yeah, so it was 09 December. Yeah, just a few months later is when the other one would come out. Um, but yeah, so I was shocked when I saw blue people on the screen. And I was like, this is nothing like after our last airbender. But despite not having any idea of what I was going in to see, my mind was blown. I loved it. I definitely saw it in 3D back then as well. And of course, that kicked off a huge 3D phase for a while there. But no mm-hmm. film did it better than Avatar since it was specifically designed for this film. Um, like James Cameron absolutely used it to its fullest. So I remember being stoked about the film, loved it. It was fantastic. And unlike you, I did see it quite frequently after 09 and in between mm-hmm. the most recent theater re-release. Anytime it was on television like i've talked about with t2 terminator i would just click on it and watch it for a little bit to see what was happening and especially if it was in that last hour of the film 
with all the action sequence going on. I would always be watching that. And so that part was really committed to memory. Mm. Things about like the twin brother. Yeah, that also completely, I did not remember that. Um, But yeah, a lot of the the action beats and a lot of the exploration of the world of Pandora was burned into my brain. I always was a huge fan of it. Thought it was fantastic, a sensation. Mm. And then to my surprise, somewhere along the way, I started finding out that that was becoming a increasingly rare position. The bandwagon was against Avatar. The dominant opinion had turned negative about it, and all the criticisms getting levied at it, of it being just Pocahontas or Dances mm-hmm. with Wolves or Fern Gully, but with blue cat people in space, all of that stuff. And then more recently, all the talk about no cultural impact because you haven't been seeing a bunch of Jake Sully memes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I was stunned to see all the backlash really against Avatar because obviously it was the biggest film in the world. So so many people have seen it, but yeah. it had gotten this ramp lately as not being deserving of that title. And I think when Avengers Endgame came out as well and they had their little battle that also made people pick sides and they chose Endgame over Avatar. So mm-hmm. yeah, I was stunned to see that that development had happened. But then recently we had a re-release in theaters where you could go and check it out in IMAX or in IMAX 3D. And you were not able to do that, right? No, unfortunately not. It was a very small window. Yeah. So I was able to do that. I took my mom, who apparently had not seen it, one of the few people who wasn't able to see it. Um, And so, yeah, we watched it. And it was fantastic. Absolutely brought back the magic that I experienced. I was a nine-year-old little kid sitting in theater that first time. It was beautiful. I mean, what more can be said? It's such an amazing world that he's created. The visual effects, of course, are unparalleled. And so, yeah, I was was once again touched by the magic of Pandora. I was brought back fully. For you, watching it for the first time since 2009 and doing Mm -hmm. it at home instead of in the theater. What did you think of Avatar revisiting it? Well, let me start by saying I still to this day think that it's very odd that this is the number one movie in the world. Like just taking a step back and like looking at the whole picture of all the movies that have ever been made. It's a little odd that this is the number one movie in the world, like by far until mm-hmm. Endgame came around. Like nothing had come close to it until Endgame. I think that's weird. I think it's odd. <laughs> Why? Though? I, what exactly about it? Because it makes perfect sense. But it's, it's, it's like a, it's ahead. like a, an, it's an action movie, but it's not based on any franchises, and those don't typically do this well, like, objectively. Right. I mean, it had 3D carrying it, for sure, as, like, a new technology to show off, and that helped bring people into the theaters, for sure, but it's still, like, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm not saying it's, like, this movie doesn't deserve to be the number one. I think it's odd that of all the movies ever made, this was the one that got it. Right, sure. I think it's the essential case of spectacle. Like this. Is I mean, sure, yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. So, yeah, I think the revitalization of 3D, like that technology paired with all the VFX technology made it a, like, oh, you have to see it in theaters type of film. Plus, it's a very escapist film. I mean, who isn't amazed by Pandora and all the visual aspects of it? So that sense to it, the fact that it has that fantasy elements 
you're able to go in there and imagine yourself flying on those banshees alongside these mm-hmm. huge blue creatures. Um, plus, it has, I think, very resonant themes that, again, are quite basic and simple, straightforward, but I think that makes yeah. them very accessible and very classic and timeless. I suppose. Um, but yeah, all that environmentalism and then anti-colonialism, whatnot, like those things I think are powerful and well-delivered mm-hmm. in the film. So it it makes sense to me. I mean, it's a amazing step forward with groundbreaking filmmaking, a very classic story, and then a great hook with all that mm-hmm. like, fantasy sci-fi elements of these huge blue aliens. I mean, yeah, it makes sense yeah. to me that it it is crazy, yeah, that it, some unestablished franchise was able to get to the top by mm-hmm. a mile. But yeah. it does make sense that it has appeal. Um, but yeah. I would say rewatching it. Um, I enjoyed it. I think the visual effects were light years ahead of their time and just absolutely incredible through and through for sure. I thought the story could have been better. (laughs) I feel like there could have been more work put into a lot of like character development and uh, I suppose it's it's very very it follows a very strong pattern you know like it's very mapped out and that's a little bit known to the audience like you can feel it being mapped out and that's not my favorite thing to watch a movie where you can feel the plot mapped out perfectly like a long like like you took like a like a how to make a movie plot sheet and then just like filled it in, in the blanks and then just made a movie with it and i don't like that feeling and this movie has that feeling to a t because it's a very simple story. Um, so that's not my favorite. Uh, I would not say that the character development is as strong as it could be. I would say that the word spectacle is appropriate. There's definitely a lot of scenes that are dazzling and large and grand. And that has a very strong appeal to it. That can help mask some of the plot you know, issues. Mm-hmm. But overall, I just I had fun, I guess. Like I have fun watching it. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound over the moon about it, but I mean, at least you... I mean, I was not like in love um, with it's it. It's a general positive reaction, though. Yeah, I wasn't in love with it, but I had like a good time, you know? Gotcha. It's not it like, is... it's not like, like, you watch T2 and uh, the plot is also very bare, but that allows for the action just to be what it needs to be. It was just, just awesome. And in this movie, it feels like they're stretching a little bit farther to try and make a little bit more of a plot and also trying to supply even more action. And then those two things are kind of combating each other instead of finding a better balance. Not that it's bad. Again, this is a good movie. Avatar is a good movie. It really is. It just was not perfect. Sure. Yeah, I think also, I think if it gets another re-release when the next Avatar comes out, you try and catch it in theaters. Oh, sure. It yeah. does. I mean, it just elevates the experience so much. And yeah, as you're pointing out, I mean, the best part about it is that spectacle. And but watching in theaters isn't going to change my impression of the plot. And that's well, the issue no. I have. But you'll be more swept up with the spectacle of Maybe. it. And that can definitely make you forgive the plot a little bit more. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not the most complex plot in the world. It is a very straightforward thing. But to me that's okay i'm all right with it like you said with t2 of how again it's not the most straightforward or not the most complex thing in the world 
but they didn't try to make it complex. Like in Avatar, they're like trying to add little complexities in here and there to to flesh out characters, but it doesn't Are feel they? natural. Like what? Yeah. What do you Name mean? one. Like everything to do with like you can't put me on the spot like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to see because I, I don't know that I would agree because I think it is a fairly simple plot that's driven a lot on the like character archetypes. So I can yeah. see that criticism. But mm-hmm. the thing of like they're trying to throw in complex things here and there, but it doesn't quite work. I don't know that I'd agree with that criticism, or at least I haven't picked up on it. It feels like the themes the that they're trying to convey are more complex than they actually are. It feels like they're trying to like land on, a, on an important note about colonialism or about nature and like climate change and things like that mm-hmm. and stripping of forests and things like that. Like they're trying to hit a heavy note, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a different person, but it's just like it feels like the 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 results they get to are things that I already know. They're things I've seen a thousand times before, and it's not original. Sure. Which I take issue to being a viewer. Like just taking the same story I've seen several times with the same lessons that I've seen several times and putting it on a new planet is not that interesting to me. Action-wise, yeah, you got me. It's good. Mm -hmm. But plot-wise... It feels like it feels like James Cameron's think he's doing like like this deep reveal of all of these plots that he's trying to supply. But really he should just be focusing on making a cool movie on a cool planet. And those plots should just be like if he really wants to include those plots, those themes specifically, just skirt by it. Just throw it out there, keep going. You're just saying focus to skirt on by the the environmentalism and the I've seen it a thousand times. I don't need to see it again. But did you see it? With that much speckle. And also the point I think that's being made here, like if you're wanting to input themes or values into your film, obviously another film is going to deal with that exact same value or that exact same theme. But in the exact same way? It's the exact it's same way. It's not the same way because it's with blue alien people in space with this amazing world that okay so so, so you're so, up so if i were to take out if i were to take out the races of the people and the names of the people and just had the basic plot line of outsider comes in learns culture of community and then projects his old community to defend this new community from his old community are you saying you have not seen that several 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 times as I pointed out before, yes, it's been done many then times. Then why is it better but that it's blue people on a planet? What makes that plot better? It doesn't make the plot better, but it makes... That's what I'm saying, is it doesn't make the plot better. It. it doesn't. Well, okay, but you're talking about two different things. Themes versus plot, those are different things. The way that... The spin that he puts, because this is the key as a writer, because again, every theme you've ever wanted to do has been done before a thousand times. The key is to put a spin on it and deliver in a and way the that spin has blue people before. And yes, the spin is crafting this complex off-world environment that we as the viewer, as well as Jay Soli, who is our vessel in the story, can get wrapped up in. And then we slowly, through his journey and being immersed into this world and into this new culture, is able to come to the realization of, oh yeah, these very selfish and greedy actions of the corporate colonialist mofos coming in and trying to strip the world for some unobtainium. Ain't good. 
It's wrong. Shouldn't so, be doing so that. So if I you were get to that lesson with the beautiful spectacle of everything that's going on in Pandora, that is the spin on this classic story, and I think that's fine. Again, that's the whole ball game is to find a new if way. If I to were to redo Romeo and Juliet, if I were to redo Romeo and Juliet, but I put it in space with green people that have four arms, you're saying that that Go is on. a worthy no. You're saying that that is that is a worthy expression of those themes that adds to the experience. If I put Romeo and Juliet in mm -hmm. New York okay. and have a battle between Puerto Ricans and what were they, Irish or Germans or something like that? Yeah. And I use that same fundamental story of two Starcross lovers who aren't allowed to be together. Mm -hmm. But I put it in context of two real world cultures that are clashing yeah. together to talk about yeah. how, hey, Maybe we should stop focusing on our differences and instead allow people to just love each other and have uh -huh. connection and have community with each other. Are you saying that's not a worthwhile story? You and I have different opinions on West Side Story and you know this. <laughs> so, so no, I would agree. No, I, I would say not I'm, really. I mean, West Side Story can get away with here. it because, because the thing that West Side Story is doing different isn't just taking it from where it was and just changing the setting. They're also making a musical out of it. Well, sure. It's another spin that you're doing. And the spin here, again, is all the spectacle that's tied to the 3D work, the VFX work, and then the fantasy sci-fi elements of it being uh, an alien planet with these alien blue creatures. So there's a lot of layers that be are being added on to give you a hook beyond just being that same classic story. And so I would disagree that it's enough. For the spectacle and then you get a yes familiar yes i would also argue story. that west side story west side story does enough to change the story of romeo and juliet to hit the same note but with different beats to still make it exciting whereas avatar is taking that same story we've seen in pocahontas and dances with wolves and fern Gully and hitting the exact same beats beat for beat for beat and only changing the setting and adding a little bit better spectacle because of how great the 3d is sure i we would have to go through because I've not seen Fergoli or anything like that. So we'd have to go through, I think, and see each of the beats. But I mean, I don't know. It's a broad generalization. I'm not sure it would match up exactly because that would be saying Pocahontas and Dance of Wolves and Fergoli all themselves also have the same exact beat for beat thing, which I don't. I don't necessarily like those movies either. <laughs> Apparently, what we're discovering isn't is not that you dislike uh, taking a classic trope or classic theme and then putting a spin on it it's just you don't like this particular trope or this particular theme. my my disagreement wasn't that i don't like just doing that i'm saying it's not original and that's not my favorite thing like i'm not saying avatar is a bad movie i'm not saying it's a bad movie because of this i'm saying it's definitely just not like super original other than the the world that he's created and that doesn't interest me as much as if he had created this world and then created a, a very original story to go along with it Interesting. I mean, again, the whole originality thing, I think it's okay to sometimes have stories that are reminiscent of other ones we've seen before. Well, you and I can disagree. It's a broad stroke thing. Well, I mean, yeah. I never said it wasn't okay. I said I just don't like it that much. Sure. And I'm saying for me, doesn't matter that much. It still okay. is able to deliver on the, the things that it is original about, which again, you're never going to see anything as spectacle driven as this thing i mean it's fantastic and then i do think there's something worthwhile about having those very big broad accessible 
themes and the classic tropes and archetypes and whatnot. It allows a lot of people to get plugged in and enjoy the story, which of course did happen since it became the biggest film of all time. Um, and for me, at least, I think that's, that's a-okay. As long as it offers enough somewhere else in the filmmaking, I think it's okay to have a somewhat classic bare bones story. Um, but sure, let's see if in Avatar The Way of Water, if you feel differently about the story or about the themes. Uh, but first, did you see it in 3D or did you see it in not 3D? I saw it in 3D. <laughs> It was the only way to watch it in my theater in IMAX, and I didn't want to sit through Avatar in a regular theater. Yeah, so, so I watched that? it. I, I, it kind of sucked. Let me tell you why. The actual 3D effects in the movie are very well done. They're very good. Mm-hmm. But the glasses they give you are the ones that don't fold, so they wrap tightly around your head, they squeeze your head, and then they don't sit comfortably on the, on the bridge of your nose, so then they hurt your nose. Right. And this is a three-and-a-half-hour movie. So I'm in pain while I'm watching this movie. I have to take the glasses off every once in a while, and now I can't see the damn movie. There's an issue on the technical side when it comes to the comfortability of the temporary glasses that they have to give you. They used to be really nice. They used to be folding ones that were like regular sunglasses, but had the lenses in it that were 3D. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the ones I remember from like 2012 or so. Those were nice because they could just sit on your face like normal glasses, and you could watch the movie. These ones that they're giving you, like the they're like the cheap ones that you see at like theme parks in those 3D rides. That's forgivable yeah. because you're on it for five minutes. You can <laughs> suffer through it for five minutes. This is three and a half hours. I can't wear the world's most uncomfortable glasses for three and a half hours. I can't do it. What about you, Ryan? Did you see it in 3D? I sure did. And Man. did you experience those glasses? I did experience those glasses. I'll tell you what. When I went to the bathroom afterwards and then caught a look at myself in the mirror, I was stunned to see a massive indent on my forehead and then yep. on my nose. It yep. was rough. Yeah, I never had to take it off during the thing i mean i just it was, it was squeezing my head i went through it yeah i didn't feel the sensation of like squeezing the head that much so i think that sucks i was um, getting a headache but yeah thankfully for me i'm able to withstand 3d a little more but it does suck that yeah it's not you think they would come up with better glasses and then yeah a lot of people i know get sickness or motion sickness or things like that from the 3d so it's a shame that not everyone is able to experience that but yeah i think for me it definitely added to the experience it was great after a certain while i was able to just blend into it and sort of forgot the glasses were there i wasn't actively getting my head squeezed or anything like that so that was good but yeah i certainly agree that they need to figure that out so for the next avatar films hopefully it won't be as excruciating for some people like yourself but yeah i was talking about the film itself and some of the, the groundwork they do, the setup they do. We bring back Stephen Lang as Horwich. We bring back Sigourney Weaver as the 14-year-old daughter of Grace who had a mysterious birth. I just want to say, I think it's fantastic that James Cameron was like, I like these actors, but I killed them off in the first one. How do I bring them back? And he just went for it. He said, let's have Sigourney yeah. Weaver play a 14-year-old Navi child. I will That's say that there are, there's a lot of movies where they try to make sequels, and then they try to, like, weasel the characters back in when it's clear that they shouldn't be returning, and they, like, try to really, really over-explain it. And James Cameron has a knack of just being like, no, they're back. Here's exactly. why. 
and just deal with it. And I like that. He did it in Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. He's just like, no, she's back. And it's 80 years in the future. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. He did it with Terminator 2. He's like, the Terminator's back. And he's good. Deal with it. And he did it again here. He's like, Miles Korich, recloned. His body's dead. He's back. Deal with it. Sigourney Weaver is now a 14-year-old girl who was born of her avatar with no explanation. Deal with it. And I like it. Me too. I'm a big fan of that. I do enjoy his 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 confidence in not needing to over-explain these plot points and just getting to the point. That I do like about James Cameron. He was just like, just deal with it. This is what it is. We're moving on. Suspend your disbelief. Let's just go for the ride. Mm-hmm, very true. But yeah, we do need to talk about I mean, this is a sequel. We had our last episode all about James Cameron and his skill with sequels, how he's able to pull them off in a way that very few filmmakers are. And this is the sequel to the biggest film of all time. So yeah. before we jump into all the nitty gritty of it, do you feel that this lives up to our claim of James Cameron being the master of the sequel? It's hard to say. Hard to I'm gonna say. give a solid yeah. maybe. Because <laughs> I've, I've been thinking about it a lot. And technically the stakes were not raised when you look at the whole world, you know, in right. the first movie, it was if they blow up the, the soul tree, the world ends like they lose their culture. Everything's done. It's the end all be all because that was going to be the one movie they weren't going to make anymore. So they pre- had pretty high stakes in the first movie. Right. In this was movie. The, you, hold on, though. Was that soul tree? Because aren't there multiple soul trees? Wasn't there one? Well, we didn't know this in the first movie. Oh, OK. Yeah. So we were under the assumption that it would like yeah. destroy the whole ecosystem. Well, not even that. We just they were they said that like uh, if it, they destroy the soul tree, that's their culture, and they will not want to fight back or anything. Like they would just give up, and then humanity wins, right? Because like that's their connection to their culture. We didn't know that there were multiple soul trees for different communities and whatever. We just knew that there was the one for the forest people. But uh, that was like the end all be all. Like they blow it up, that's it. That's humans win, mm-hmm. done. In this movie, the stakes especially at the climax are it's like, it's all about Jake's family. Like the stakes are like, he has to protect his family and if he doesn't, they die. And that's what the stakes are. in the final one is like the family could die. And I would say for Jake slowly specifically, I would say the stakes are raised. This is his family. This is personal. This is about him and his children. Mm-hmm. I would say from a world perspective, like taking a step back. No, right. Like for sure. But as an audience member, being personally attached to spending three hours with Jake and his children and becoming personally attached to them. I would say that he did a better job with the character work in this movie than in the first movie. And I would say that the stakes were raised on a personal level as an audience member, if not for the world, which works because you can't raise the stakes from where they were in the first movie, which is everything ends, everything dies. So you can't raise those stakes. So you raise the personal stakes and then as these sequels are going to go on, those personal stakes are going to get bigger and bigger until you get to the last one where it is humanity versus Avatar or versus Navi. The stakes of the world are, are at play. Right, exactly. And that's the way to do it. So like he's still, he's going for it and he's chugging away and he's very good at it. So I say yes. Yeah, he sure is. And another thing to keep in mind at least is he went into this one knowing that he would have even more sequels to follow it. Whereas yeah. with Aliens and T2... He was treating those as sequels, but he wasn't trying to create a franchise out of them. Like he never returned to those franchises after he directed those 
specific films. With Avatar, he's like, okay, I'm going to make this a whole franchise. So this is just one sequel of many. And so you're right. Yeah, he had to do a little bit of a different approach where he's, I would say, you know, we talk about the emotional depth and like really honing in on a character and just going in with the complexity in them. I don't think he does that with one single character. Like Jake and Neytiri are present mm -hmm. in the story. And Jake certainly has the issue of like wanting to keep his family safe versus having to learn to fight back. Like he does have a little bit of an arc with that, but it's mainly about introducing these new characters, the rest of his family that we're going to be spending all this time with in the following sequels and getting to learn them. And they have their own uh, arcs that they have. So I would say I agree with you in terms of, yeah, the character work is increased as you know he normally does with his sequels, but it's more spread out between various characters rather than honing in on just a few characters or the main character that we had from the original film as yeah. he did with aliens and t2 i agree yeah good stuff um and then we do get in terms of the the human motivations it is a little bit different uh it's more of a personal vendetta as well with like quaritch chasing after jay Sully. um but then we do learn more about why all the other humans have returned the whaling stuff is happening for the anti-aging cream and then they also mention sort of in passing that earth is truly on its way out and so they need to create this new home for humanity on Pandora. So, yeah, that certainly is setting up this big final conflict in the later Avatar films where Earth is going to be extremely desperate and humanity is going to try and do whatever they can to stake a claim. So that'll be a fascinating thing to explore. But yeah, in terms of the Sullies, and we talked about Jake and Atiri, but the kids. So what do you think about all the kids? And by the way... <laughs> I would just like to make a note for James Cameron and every fantasy filmmaker or sci-fi filmmaker. When you have these crazy names of places or of people, just give us one time. Just give us something in the subtitles so that we can see how they're spelled and how they're said. Because I really thought Kiri was like Kitty. I, I also thought it was Kitty. Yeah. And I and thought then, it was because they were cat people. <laughs> I mean, too. So I thought it was Kitty. I, uh, I truly had no idea Loacker and Nateum until like the very end of the film. And I still think I didn't know really how they were saying Loak. Um, I didn't know Tuk was spelled that way. Yeah. Dude, Tulkun, I thought was Tukun and definitely didn't think it was spelled T-U-L-K-U-N. So I'm like, just give us a little bit of help mm -hmm. <laughs> to make it all clear. Like if I can see it and then I can understand the pronunciation, it makes it a lot better. So yeah. that would be my one piece of advice for Jim's Cam uh, James Cameron going forward. So yeah. Loak, Tam, Kiri, Duke, and then Spider, the human adoptee child. So mm. what did you think just on like first impressions, overall impressions, which one do you like most? Which one are you most interested in? Which one are you least interested in? I would say once again, he is falling under the trap of archetypes and falling really hard into it yet again. Which, sure? uh, I feel like it works better in this movie than the first one. I feel like there is enough individual character development, especially for Loak's character, to where I can see getting away with it. I think Kitty is the most uh, well-developed character in terms of not being just an archetype. I feel like she's very unique. I feel like Sigourney Weaver brings a lot of life to the character. And I feel like her arc is going to be very, very interesting to watch over the course of the sequels 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't like super strong in this movie because this was the start of her arc, whereas Loak got the brunt force of having his arc be the arc for the kids. Right. Um, and of course, uh, what is it? Natayam? Yeah. Natayam? Natayam. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't get an arc anymore. I mean, because he's dead. Yeah. He uh, did. But I guess he had like a little mini arc in terms of accepting responsibility and trying to lead his siblings as the eldest. Right. Yeah. And they did have died. that thing of him like wanting to be a warrior. And he's also the eldest child. So he's having to look after his siblings. Um, and I do like that they had in there. I imagine that is something that got trimmed down significantly in trying to make this a watchable cut for theaters. Because mm-hmm. um, I would have liked a little bit more about that. Uh, that side of him because we do see mm-hmm. him getting chewed out by Jake Sully here and there for not, you know, fulfilling his duties as the eldest brother. And yeah. then he does have his own desires to be that warrior, but he's being told no here and there. So there was something there for sure. But I think, yeah, it did get trimmed down in order to serve Loak, who's certainly going to be one of the main kids for the whole uh, franchise. And then Kiri as well, having to set yeah. up a lot of her stuff. So yeah. yeah, I would say the ones that had the most. Screen time, funny enough, are those ones that are most interesting. But I agree, Kiri, I think they have a fascinating setup for her. And Loak, I really like Loak. I think... Yeah, I think he's an interesting character. Because again, it was the very beginning of the film, I couldn't tell Loak or Nateum apart. Like, I was mixing their arcs, because I thought Nateum was the one who was going to be in the romance with um, the princess. Mm -hmm. Uh, Saraya, I think it was. Um, But... Yeah, it was actually Loak, and I was like, oh, yeah, they really are devoting everything to Loak. Um, yeah, Natayam yeah. didn't really get an arc outside of just trying to lead his siblings. And then I would say Took got the brunt end of being an archetype because her character was just being a child. I mean, <laughs> and there was nothing else to it, which kind of sucks. You know, Spider, time, that's how it is. <laughs> Spider got some interesting development, I would say, because he was separate from everybody for the majority of the film, and he was sort of dealing with uh reconciling his humanity with his relationship to the navi and he had struggle coming to terms with that because of his relationship with his father and then this new figure who is his father but as a navi which i mean that's got to be confusing (laughs) to say the least especially because this is technically a new person who isn't actually your father and you can get away with saying that i suppose even though he has your memories and feelings and everything about that of your father and is Mm -hmm. in every way a clone of him I would say that the Quaritch in the clone does behave differently, but I think that's a product of being around Spider and being more connected to Spider than being a clone, I would yeah. argue. And also probably his own perspective of, you know, he's physically now a Navi person, a Navi avatar. His perspective of the world probably has changed slightly, even though he is still pretty brutal in the movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, we'll get back to... Uh, Loak and Kiri inspired a little later on. We'll talk about some of the big choices that these characters make towards the end of their run. Um, but yeah, let's mention the big thing in the subtitle, The Way of Water. James Cameron, of course, a huge lover of oceans. Of course. And he was able to finally bring it to fruition in a film. And we get that nice exploration phase that you love to get in adventure films. Yeah. When we get to see in the Water Tribe all the underwater stuff, meeting the new creatures, and getting acclimated to that culture. I think it's beautiful imagery yet again. 
I mean, yeah. he he does even it. more beautiful than the first one. I would argue. I think it's uh, just stunning. Yeah. I think I like the first one a little bit better with all the exploration that we get. But no. I, I mean, yeah, it's right on par. I would say it's. I harshly disagree. I mean, it's just so gorgeous the way that they explore it as individuals well, to be fair, within the family. Remember, you watched one on the TV and then the other in IMAX 3D. Fair, um, but also, I think I can still make the argument that I think even if I, I mean, did sure, watch it's up to your the your first Avatar in IMAX 3D, I think I can still say that this is definitely the more stunning to me. Are you talking about the exploration like, sequence, world itself, or like the effects that are going on? Both, obviously, like the effects and what he does with the water stuff. I just simply I don't understand. I don't know how he was able to pull all that off. Yeah, it's brilliant making all the water look realistic and everything. It and looks so good. What's crashing on the rocks? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, for sure. God. Oh my gosh, it is so fantastic. good. Um, so yeah, that stuff it works really well, and I also like how, yeah, he just slows it down in this second act. They're focusing really on just trying to assimilate into the tribe rather than dealing with whatever is going on with the humans. Like they think they have escaped that for the most part. And now they're just leaving that life behind and trying to create this new home for themselves. And so, yeah, we're just exploring the, the reef, all the new creatures that are there and trying to uh, fit in. And so we see the troubles that the kids have, especially with that. Um, like them getting in the fights with the the water tribe leaders, kids. I thought all that stuff worked really well. I enjoyed. I thought it. it worked well to a point. I would say it being three and a half hours, it felt very repeated a lot. Of like every thirty minutes, they have to run to the adults and be like, "Something's bad. It's happening." And then the <laughs> adults would have to come in and intervene. And I'm like, how, like, I don't know how that they're allowed to stay in the water tribe that long with things going that poorly. Like, you'd think that they would have kicked them out by this point. I will say, yeah, the parents were very understanding. Like, I thought there was going to be a moment where, especially with the Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet's character. Oh, I loved her character. She was going to come in and be like, that's it. Like, we got to kick these people out once and for all. But yeah, the parents I loved were... Kate Winslet in this movie. I thought she was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were pretty understanding. But I mean, I think it makes sense. I mean, the way that, because one happens because of the fight, one happens because he's stranded outside the reef, and then another happens because he's messing around with an outcast, Tulkun. Um, and so at least they vary it up of like, well, who was at fault for doing what thing? Um, and then, yeah, I think it is nice, though, that they didn't lean too hard into the Oh no, is the leader of the tribe gonna kick them out at some point? Um, I think it was okay to just hone in on the kids having troubles with trying to assimilate, which is something that like anyone can really deal with if you go to a new school or anything like that. Um, a little bit more of a grounded conflict that they're having. Um, and they didn't rely too much on the threat of like, oh no, they're gonna get kicked out and be on their own again. So yeah, I like that they were able to still, at least for me, it would, was still okay whenever they did have to bring the parents involved or get the parents involved for that. And that mm. was all right. Um, but yeah, the, did you, did your theater when you were watching it? Cause I saw it open weekend. So mm. it was packed. Yeah. And mine was the, relatively packed. The crowd was enjoying like that fight scene when he was talking about his five fingers and they balled it up, punched him. And then they're like scrapping. That whole thing got a lot of laughs. And then afterwards, when Jake was like, 
how the other guys look. And the tan was like worse. It looked a lot worse. That got a lot of laughs. What yeah, was... we did not get, there was not, not a lot of vocalization in my theater. It was a really? quiet theater. Yeah. There was, I'll mention it later on, but there was one moment where everyone applauded during the film. And I was like, wow, that's interesting to see in a non marble thing. And it's like an older crowd too. It's not like the young sort of moviegoers. It had, there's actually a big variety in age, which was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so everybody that, goes and sees this movie. It's absolutely It's true. It's very true. Broad appeal. So yeah, that was a moment that was working for a lot of a lot of peeps. Um, and let's talk about the whales. Say yes, the whales. So Those once again, cool. A a lesson that you probably already know. Say the whales, but again, it's the way that they showcase it, and they show that this Pycon creature. Well, this is one where it's like we've seen. You know, I guess if you want to say save the whales as a theme, we've seen that before, sure, in things like uh, Free Willy and things like that. But never in a way where it's like the whales fight back. <laughs> like we've never seen that. And that was awesome. Like I love the idea that the whales are super intelligent, like smarter than everybody, and that they have collectively decided to not be violent. And no matter what, no matter the cost, they will never hurt or murder anybody. Mm-hmm. And then this this one whale is like, Fuck you guys. Fuck this shit. They're killing us. I'm not going to let them kill us. I'm going to kill them. And then the whale fought back. And I thought that was cool. And it mirrors uh, Jake's uh, 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 arc. And I like that. Jake decides to fight back. And so does uh, Palakon. Payakon. Just goes for it. True. And that whale fighting is so fucking cool. True. He just lands on them. (laughs) And crushes them. It's so cool. Yeah. One single whale fights back for sure. Uh, I do think it's an interesting approach to take. But yeah, I mean, they've had that before of like the world fighting back. Like did that in Avatar with the third act. Yeah, yeah, but not whales. All those mofos coming in. But yes, there were no (laughs) whales in the I've never seen a whale fight ever in any movie, ever. Never seen a whale fight. And now I have. I'm glad. And that was original. You were able to see that. I'm glad. Oh, you know what and else I, I got to see in this movie that I liked? What's that? They blew up a train. They did. They blew up a train right in the beginning. I turned so to Alexa and I said, James Cameron did it. He did the one <laughs> thing I love to see in movies. He blew up a train. I so love it, it when trains blow up. You love train robberies for sure, but you just love trains blowing up too. Well, think about Bridge and the River Kwai. They blew up a train. It was awesome. So it's just any train blowing up and or getting robbed. I mean, dude. train rob if they rob the train and then blow it up, that's like the best. Right. Like or like they blow it up and then rob it. Like in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. That True. was great. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they, well, that's what they did in this movie. They blew it up and then they robbed it. It was just like Lawrence of Arabia. It was, it was awesome. Very, yeah. I'm they glad you're able to have train. it. Do you sick. ever like you need to I need to see your film that's just about the train getting robbed and then getting blown up. Like it needs to happen. Do you have an idea? Four hours long. Because you need to work on it. It'll be Avatar 6, The Way of the Train. (laughs) Exactly. But this will be your, that'll be your James Cameron moment. Your T2, your Avatar will be. You think I won't? You think I won't ride it? I won't make a train robbery? You think I won't? You think I won't? You double dog dare me? You triple dog dare me? Absolutely. Whatever gets you. Challenge accepted. We need to have it. Give me 40 years. You'll see it. (laughs) Okay. We'll come back. I need some time here. I need to. I need to take the James Cameron amount of time to really plan this out. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna set it on a foreign world. I'm gonna I'm gonna change everything about it to to make that theme of trains being robbed fresh. And I think you'll find that it'll attract a lot of people. <laughs> you got to put your own hook on it. We've seen trains blown up before. Yeah, we saw it in Lawrence. We saw it in Bridge on the River Kwai. We need Can't just blow up another train. Oh my god. Yeah, exactly. But with the whales, <laughs> bringing it back to that, I think the choice to have Loak and Pycon, they're both outcasts. Mm-hmm. We feel like outcasts, and so they have that sort of kinship with each other. I think that's great. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. yeah, having the whales be these hyper-intelligent creatures, uh, and so that allows us to feel even more strongly for them since they have these powerful bonds with the uh, the water tribe. Then maybe that's what I didn't like about the first avatar is it feels like the characters didn't really have arcs outside of like servicing the themes alone. Mm-hmm. And those themes are very basic, which kind of sucks. But in this movie, these characters, like there is uh, like an overall theme, the themes from the first movie that are still continuing on in this movie. But these characters also get arcs outside of those themes where they can just be real people and have arcs and experience like emotions. Mm-hmm. Like I like that. And like the the closest thing is Jake and Natiri's relationship in the first one. Like that's great and all, but they don't. None of the other characters really get arcs outside of that. But in this movie, they've given all like most of these kids and Jake and Pyacon and even Quaritch like arcs to follow throughout this movie that work outside the themes and can make the movie and give the movie like a new layer where you can watch it from the perspective of this outer layer of these people having these arcs and going through these emotions. And then you have the deeper layer of the themes that they're trying to convey and not just, not just being thrown really basic themes at your face for two and a half hours with arcs that are servicing those themes for the most part. I mean, I guess yeah. that's the best way I could convey it. But in this movie, they really do go for solid arcs that make sense that are sure a little basic, but they work. They work really well. I would agree. And then we see the hunting scene, which was brutal. Seeing the, the systematic hunting and then killing of that one. That was uh, brutal. Coon, and it was the one that Kate Winslet's character had the bond with. And we see her mourning her afterwards. Bro, they was, drill into her head and to remove the fluid and then they just dump her body. And then they leave the bags. Bro, and Quartz is like, leave them. I, I want them to know it was us. Me. Yeah. That was good. He's a good villain. I mean, it's he's, just he's the best Cameron villain. Is so he's, he's always been one, for bringing him back. one of the best. Like rewatching Avatar, the first one. I think this is the thing I don't remember from the first movie is how good of a villain he was. I remember thinking like, oh, he was all right. He was just you know a dude who was big and buff. But then I rewatched it and I was like, oh my god, he's killing it. He's he really just is such a good villain. In this movie, he's killing it again. It's great. Absolutely. He's so charismatic and so vile. You yeah. love to hate him. Oh, and I love the way to have a This has nothing to do with Quarch, but I love in the in the scene where Edie Falco is just showing him around and she has a cup. And yeah. She's drinking the <laughs> cup through the robot arm instead of her own hand. I think that's hilarious. That is funny. Dude, did you I messed up in the last episode when we were talking about like the lines that James Cameron will recycle. Yeah, you told me about this. I don't I didn't see any of them. I didn't, you didn't hear a single one. one. What were they? What yeah. were they? So the one I was referencing specifically was the one where he says, it's a potent mix. He says in the first one, as he's talking to Jake, he says something about like, oh yeah, a Marine in a Navi body. It's a potent mix. Give me the goosebumps. And so he reused <laughs> That's a good it impression. for this one, 
when he he did the like why so blue line but then he was like like our team a bunch of marines and navi body it's a potent mix so he reused that line which i love i've been saying potent mix so much lately i'm gonna sing <laughs> no, i'm gonna say it make it an iconic line so that we can get it yeah in every, in every movie yeah. yeah um so he used that he had also used and then when Strong. Jay kills him in the final one, he can say, <laughs> a dead Marine in a Navi body. It's a potent mix. And then stabs him. That would be so good. I yeah. need it. Um, and then another one was Strong Heart, which is what she had said to Jake in the first one. When she, he was like, why did you kill me? She's like, oh, you have a strong heart. And this one, when he's trying to rally her, I think after Nitam's death, he's like, I need you with me. You need to be strong. Strong heart. So we reused that one as well. That's a, that's a nice one. I like it that. It is. And of course, I see you. That's more of a callback than like a re requote. It is, yeah. But I do think the freaking potent, potent mix. mix. That's, so that's definitely uh, trying to make that line iconic. It's a potent mix. <laughs> I just want to know the thought process. Did he just always remember that line? Was it Stephen Lang who was like, you know, I really like that one. We should bring it, it was the It was the first memory that Quarish unlocked in his new body. <laughs> He's like, I like that phrase. That phrase in this body, that's a potent mix. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Uh, okay, where were we? We're talking about... So, the kids get captured, and then Jake and the tribe, they'll have to go out and try and rescue them. And then we have our big action sequence, as I mentioned as well, like the huge multi-phase action sequences that he has. He's got an avatar, too, and it is very good. Yes, so, he's able to keep that up. Um, anytime Natiri is riding around on a banshee and then sniping mofos with that bow and arrow, badass, so cool, so amazing. It happened so many times in the first avatar, and so many times there were here. a lot of times in this movie where she would shoot a bow and arrow and it would stab somebody, and Alexa would go ooh because you could just feel it. <laughs> Good, yeah. Oh, it's it's a heavy hit. Great stuff there. Uh, and then Natayam's death. So. <sighs> What did you think of this? Because I knew, here's what here's what I was worried about. I wasn't worried. I was like, oh, I'm going to get sad over Natam's death. I was worried when Natiri was going to find him and then start crying. Because I'll tell you what, that's another thing I remembered from the first film distinctly, mm -hmm. is Zoe Saldana's performance as Natiri and the way that she cries and just like expresses emotion in such a like vulnerable, raw, guttural way. It is intense and it is amazing. And I knew she was going to go berserk once Natam died. And she did. She's just crying at the storm and it was rough. I was like, damn. Oh, yeah. So, how did and you think she just brutally murdered so many people? Like, just went hardcore. I know. That was, that was amazing. Like, the action, like that hand to hand combat action that Jake and Natir were doing once they go oh back on the God, ship. Dude. That was fantastic. Crazy. I was amazed at that yeah it was just brutal it was rough like they were really yeah. taking these guys out exactly but yeah you could feel all that rage all that primal emotion coming to the surface and then when they had when they had spider like peeking over the column and seeing natiri it terrifies then, him yeah he's scared and he has to like hide behind it i'd be like me too because man you would not want to get spotted by her when she's like that yeah. but then yeah when she she sees that her father's bow, she broke it in her rage. I was like, dang. Like that was to have again that 
fusion between emotion and action. We can have that really great action set piece, and then right after it grounds us back in the emotion mm -hmm. she's feeling. It's very solid stuff. Yeah. That was really well handled. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Titanic 2. We were well, talking well, about first, it. First, first. Oh, go ahead. Thoughts on Natira using Spider as leverage? Uh, well, I was about to get to that with the, oh. the standoff. Well, yeah. So we had talked yeah. about Titanic 2 last time and whether it would happen, whether it existed. There's a Titanic movie out there, Titanic 2. But he said, been there, done that. You know what would make a Titanic really good if we made a sequel? Let's put it in a foreign world with blue aliens. Blue people, yeah. And so now we have Titanic 2 Pandora Edition. So yeah. that whole stuff was great. And yeah, as it's starting to sink, we have that standoff with Korich, who has Kiri, and then Natiri, in order to save Kiri, grabs Spider and holds the knife to him. So here's the deal. Let's talk about Spider as a character again. Sure. So I think it is interesting. Like, I remember seeing the trailers, and I thought it was very fascinating that they would have a human child sort of ingratiated in with the Soli family. I thought that was an interesting choice. I think it's smart. And then we find out early on in the film, okay, it's Korch's child that we just learned about, apparently had a kid. Um, and then they're paired up together since he got captured. And we see them sort of bonding here and there. And then at the standoff, the question being raised is, does Korch care enough about this child you have a cowboy hat, a tiny cowboy hat on your head. What is going on? Is <laughs> is the mini cowboy hat that came with my Christmas gift from Mason? And I saw it, and I thought it'd be really funny with the the lighting behind me to put it on my head because <laughs> it's a tiny cowboy hat. It's so tiny. This oh, tiny. it looks so good, <laughs> dude. It looks like nope, almost. The way you have oh, an angle a little right bit. There. I mean, that it looks like a cowboy hat anyway. I mean, it looks like a little bat. <laughs> Howdy. <laughs> okay, I'll put it away. Okay, so about Spider. So anyway, well, the, yeah, the question being raised is, does Gorge care enough about his son to save him and to exchange like a child for a child? Uh, and so Natiri uses that and threatens to kill Spider. And we had established as well earlier in the film that Natiri doesn't necessarily like Spider thinking that he's, you know, an alien. She'll always see him as that and doesn't really belong with the rest of the family. So I think that part is interesting. I have a couple questions about what they're trying to do with Spider's character. Because mm -hmm. earlier in the film, when they come across the the trailer where Jake and Aetiri and Quirch fought in the first film, he's watching Quirch look at his own death from Aetiri. And we leave off on... Like this five second shot of spider reacting to that and he looks afraid he looks fearful is that communicating to us that he's afraid of Natiri and some of what like her and the navi can do is that what we're meant to be getting from this so that later on when he also know. sees her berserk on the ship and then like hides from her is he scared about Natiri specifically or the navi as a whole because he seems like he's down with trying to be the navi like he w really wants to be one but with yeah. natiri specifically he seems like frightened in a way which can make sense if he feels like she's ignoring him or neglecting him or just hates him or anything like that um but 
yeah, so they have that component, which was raised, and then they have him with his father throughout most of the film. And he's, he's yeah, just sticking by his side. I felt like he could have done more to lead Quaritch astray here and there since he knows he's pursuing the Soli family and you think he'd want to do anything he can to prevent him from finding the yeah. Soli family. But, I mean, he's also a kid, so I guess, I mean, what more can you ask him to do? And then when they do come across the Solis, that's when he takes a stand. Takes a stand. But I was like, maybe he could have done more. But His anyway, character had a very odd arc. It does. I think he's and trying they, to wrestle that identity of being human and also wanting to be Navi. But it doesn't even seem like he likes being human that much. And we didn't, I think, get enough of his bond with Korich. Because, again, he still sees Korich, like, tormenting that one village that they come across. Yeah. And hunting the whale just as a way to get at Sully and draw him out. And then, like, leaving the bags for the Sully's to know that it's him. Like, he's still seeing these awful sides of Korich. And I don't know if we saw enough of their, like, genuine father-son bond for him to be really having this intense dilemma, which we'll get to in a bit of like his final decision. Mm. But was the initial question you were asking was like my thought of Neytiri doing this? Because I love the choice to do it because it's like very morally questionable for her. Okay. It also makes sense. She does not and see then, Spider as her son. Kiri yeah. is also not technically her daughter, but she definitely she's cares more about to being her. Navi. Yeah. And so she's now, like, I will kill off of that. Piggybacking off of that, do you think they developed Quaritch's character enough for him to justify bailing like that for Spider? Um, I can believe that. I can, because early, even earlier on when he's getting tortured, he steps in and stops it. You're right. And then, I forgot about that scene. Yeah, so he stops that, and he does mention a couple times, like, yeah, you're not my kid. But, I mean, he does seem like he wants to I have love that your impression. <laughs> um. It's a potent mix, isn't it? It's so, a potent mix. So I I can believe that that would happen, although it would come across better. And I imagine these are some of the scenes that were left on the cutting room floor mm -hmm. if we saw more of their dynamic. Because there's a big portion of the like middle of the film, like we get into that exploration phase with the Water Tribe, where we just don't come back to Korish and Spider for a long time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think there's... Maybe something missing of just a nice tender moment between the two of them. It's not related to him hunting the Navi and hunting like Spider's foster family. That I think would have helped sell it a lot more, at least for Spider's thing and for Korch's. But I, I can believe Korch's decision. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about more about Spider's decision later in the film. But mm -hmm. yeah, I thought that standoff was was really solid. And then Quaritch starts talking about, I'll kill your whole family. And then Jake's always like, well, let's get it done. And then they fight. Yeah, that's great. That was awesome. I was like, nice. So they have their whole hand-to-hand -hand thing. And then <laughs> we have Neytiri and Duke and the others getting mixed up in Titanic 2, trying to escape the ship as it's sinking. Yeah. Um, he really was just doing like the greatest hits of all his other yeah. films. It was pretty. I funny. leaned over to Alexa and I was like, "Man, he just loves sinking ships." Like, <laughs> he really does. It's the same thing for me with just blowing up trains. I mean, he just loves to sink a good ship. <laughs> exactly. He said they're not meant to be on the water; they're meant to be in the water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think they had a great battle for that. And then I also ship filled with explosives. It's a potent mix. <laughs> sure is. And then 
I think it was a really smart choice the way that they like resolve things, had things end with Loak and Kiri saving the day and having each of them use their weirdness, the thing that had set them apart and made them strange. But now they're able to use that in order to save their family. So Loak, he felt like an outcast, but he was able to find his way with the Water Tribe. He felt really connected with them and their way of life and the way of water itself. So we see him delivering that speech that Soraya had given to him earlier in the film to Jake as he's trying to teach him to do the breathing technique. So I think that was really smart of like he's found his home. He's finally found something that he's good at and makes sense in how the water tribe operates and he's able to use that to help save Jake. And then Kiri is able to use her force sensitive abilities with the Awa and plug in with all those little fish under the sea to light up the path towards Neytiri and then give the little butterfly breathing device thing that they have, which I think is really cool. Um, give that to Neytiri and then lead the way out. I think that choice was really smart. And then it connects with, to your point about Lego having an arc outside of just like the environmentalism aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it was a nice way to have each of them come into their own and yeah. embrace exactly. who they are and what sets them apart. And yeah, I thought that was a really great decision um yeah that tied up the like the plot aspect of saving the family with a really character driven moment as well it was a great writing choice i thought yeah i agree Mm -hmm. and then now the other moment where someone was saved by a child spider saving quaritch thumbs up it was a hard one to get behind i think i think at the end of the day they put quaritch in that corner Mm-hmm. and they knew they wanted him around for the sequels and there had to be a way to get him out and so they tried to build up this relationship so that they could justify spider doing it and they didn't stick the landing quite enough and they still went for it and i think that's what happened i would agree with that assessment and i don't think it landed at all because spider again we needed to see more of that like tender moment where he genuinely wants to save courage there can be an argument made of, oh, well, Quirch just saved Spider's life, so now he yeah. feels held to return a favor. Okay, like except- maybe it's like one of those things that like he wouldn't go out of his way to find him, but because he was searching for Jake and then happened upon Quirch, he couldn't just walk away and let him die, seeing as how Quirch just saved his life. Because they do have that moment where like Quirch tries to say, "Hey, come with me," and Spider just ditches him, and it's more like a like I don't like you and I I hate you, but you did save my life, so maybe like out of respect. I will return the favor and then we'll be even. But sure. they don't really have that line. But and two, maybe it would have benefited if he had been like, we're even now and then left. Maybe. But two issues with that. One, yes. Spider heard Quartz say, I'm going to kill you, Jake. I'm going to find you and kill your whole family. <laughs> like he said those he lines. He did hear him say that, yes. And Spider was right there. And so Spider, who is saying bro and cuz and all this to his to Sully's kids so he feels like he's one of them he also is in love with Kiri or something like that for sure definitely something's going on there so you got your your bros you got your girl and you hear that they are threatened by your father once again who just had them under just had your girl under a knife right like he had her dead to rights you decide after hearing that to go and save courage 
That's insane. Because you know he's coming back after you. I mean, that's a man that's going to deliver on his promises. So knowing he wants to kill all of Jake's family, including your brothers and the girl you love, you still yeah. save him. Number two, you can do that, maybe. Say the we're even line. The next step would be to tell Jake and the family, by the way, Corridge, I did save him. He's not dead. So let's just, we should keep that in mind as we go forward with things because they don't know. They do yeah. not know. Jake thinks he choked that mofo out and got it done. Mm -hmm. um, and that is not so. So Spider should have told them, hey, by the way, the guy that just tried to chase us down and kill us, mm -hmm. he's going to do it again. Yeah. But he doesn't. And if you're going to have that, you need to have baked in more of the dilemma he feels between his father and his family, like his chosen family with Sully, because it just feels like throughout the whole film, it's like a no-brainer that Spider would choose the Sully's, but yet he ends up choosing yeah. or at least just to save them. And he doesn't they go definitely with have him, a lot of work him. to do in the, in the rest of the sequels to solidify that choice. Right. And what makes it even worse is... Yeah. Nateum is dead yeah. because of Spider. Loak yeah. went to go save him. And Nateum got shot by maybe Quaritch or Quaritch's friend. So it could have been Quaritch yeah, who one of the, killed. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who did it. And so Spider, who one of Soli's kids dies trying to save him, he then saves the person that may have killed him and has promised to continue trying to kill all of his family members. Like, my guy, come on. What you doing? So it yeah, definitely not a fan of Spider at the moment. I'll tell you me that. Neither. <laughs> me neither. I mean, I like the idea of it, but yeah, I don't know if the execution was. It would be interesting if he started just going full human and full villain in the future. See, that would be interesting as well. But they made him so like attached to the like Navi. Well, what if Nateri like drives him out? Again, that'd be a fascinating thing, and certainly they're gonna have that bombshell of if Corch is alive. They're going to be like, how did he get out? And then if, yeah, Naturi finds out that Spider helped him. Ooh, I think it would have been funnier if his, his body drowned. And then in the next movie, they're like, you're a clone of a clone. You have all the memories of that clone as well as the human being that came before that clone. A Marine and a clone's clone body. It's a potent That's mix. That's a potent mix. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be funny. I They... <laughs> <laughs> I think I wish like every every knows. single one he dies at the end and then finds his body in the next one and just his 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 thirst for blood just becomes stronger and stronger. They that can't keep like, killing me. I just keep coming back. You can kill a marine, but we just get brought back as a clone. <laughs> and every time Edie Falco's there drinking coffee in her mech suit, it's all she does. She doesn't Welcome leave the mech back. suit. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then we have the the final scene. We have the funeral, which is very touching. Yeah. And then we have Jake with the narration. This time they don't do an in-world sort of narration thing where he had like the videos he was making. Yeah. And Avatar 1 is just yeah. good old-fashioned narration yeah. um, of him just which talking to better. the audience. And then, no, nah, I kind of there was a no, no, no. There was a bit in the first one where, for the first like thirty minutes, you don't know he's talking to a video screen, and so some of the way he says the lines, it makes sense that he's talking to a video screen, but it doesn't make sense for our, just a narration. Like he says things like they're a question, and then he says like I don't really. You know, he's just, he's like, uh, we're here to be avatars, and I'm like, 
I'm like, you're doing this in a narration that doesn't make sense. And then they show that it's a video. And I'm like, oh, now it makes sense, I guess. But it was weird in the moment. This works better. Also, the narration, the, the things he says are better in this movie. Like the actual content he's saying as a narrator. Sure. I mean, a better. lot of, well, yeah. The father but protects. It, That's what he does. Right. It was also very uh, sparing compared to the first one. And the first one, a lot of it was Thank God. trying to get across the exposition thing. So, I mean, it makes sense of why they had it in the first one the way they did um but yeah anyway so he he mentions that stuff and he's talking about it's now time to fight this is my home and then his eyes open just like they did at the very end of the first one you're gonna do that in every movie maybe maybe they can do it with different characters perhaps we'll see yeah i kind of hope they don't (laughs) yeah i'm not imagine the last shot of the very last movie you're five movies in it's 2028 we're 28 years old and the it's way they be, end it is just, it's just the character opens his eyes. It's going to be his eyes closing. It's going to be like Jack and he's in dead. Uh, Lost. It's going to be his eyes closing once again. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, overall, we sort of touched on you know, the sequel formula and how he sort of had to shift it and adapt it. But I mean, yeah, all the hallmarks of it are there. Things like old, familiar items being brought back in new ways, like Stephen Lang being a Navi now. Um, yeah, all this stuff, I think, worked quite well uh so let's talk about predictions for the future of avatar and what you want to see first of all who do you think is kiri's father okay i think she's the reincarnated version of sigourney weaver's character because remember they do the awa thing where they're trying to transfer her body over but it doesn't work yeah what if it did work but the way that they transferred her was as an unborn child inside the avatar body and then she gives birth to Kiri, who is just a doctor, whatever the fuck, Grace. She's just Grace reborn yeah. as a Navi instead of her consciousness transferred into the Navi body. Gotcha. Interesting, interesting theory. I think. Because remember, 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 remember. There's a shot remember. where she's doing the, when she's going into Awa and like looking at Grace, who's Sigourney Weaver, and then Sigourney Weaver turns into the Navi Grace. The first person who reacts to the seizure is. The Navi Grace, not Kiri. Mm, true. Yeah. That is true. I would say, I think that's a good theory. I like that. I definitely think it's not going to be a, a thing of like, oh, it was an actual <laughs> a father out there who impregnated her. Uh, I you don't think it was Norm? That. No, don't think it was Norm, sadly enough. Honestly, also, honestly, sad about the lack of Norm in the movie. Yeah, he got his position dialed back significantly. Yeah. I mean, he was I lucky to survive the first one, though, to be fair. Yeah. A lot he of people was on got the verge of death. And he made it through. So he's lucky to have seen another film. Yeah. Um, I do want more Norm, though, for sure. I will say, the one of the early scenes in the film, like in the first act, I think it was definitely rougher. I think the film gets better as it goes along. But by far the worst scene was when Kiri and Loak and Spider are in the little trailer thing. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking about who Kiri's father is. And Loic's like, oh, I think it's the norm. Like the way to look at each other. And then Spider's like, guys, sometimes it's not the best thing to know who your dad is. And then he turns away. And yeah. he's like all sad and mopey. And then they're like, oh, bro, what's wrong? And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I was like, yo, come on. I mean, I get you're trying to play up the teen. Bro, bro. Okay. Whatnot, okay. I will like, say. 
the one thing I have to suspend my disbelief with a lot with this movie, as opposed to the first one, is that the the Navi language is gone. Everybody speaks English. Well, they explain that. When? They say why they do that. Well, in the... So, you know, Jake's narration when he was saying, um, you know, it took me a while to get the language, but now all I hear is English, or now it just sounds like English to me. The kids were fighting, and they were in Navi, and they had the subtitles, but the moment he says the thing of, now it just sounds like English to me, they switched to English. Oh, okay. So they're speaking Navi, but we're hearing as English. Yeah, they, they are speaking Navi, and it's just now switches to english when he says oh it just sounds like english to me so now it sounds okay. like english to us fair enough fair enough i will say though it's still awkward like the the guess, word yeah. choice for the kids it just sounds very like americanized and colloquial like bro, bro come on bro cuz. come on cuz. cuz let's go yeah the cuz hey, man thing, come like, on right. <laughs> and i'm like you could dial it back like they are they are aliens you don't have to make them so americanized it's true but i mean it colonialism works totally would be saying bro that they would pick up on it i guess there could be but yeah what science would be saying bro bro, come over here (laughs) exactly it could be i don't know the scientists yeah i don't know if they have any other kids around other than spider yeah they're around norm hey norm bro what's up what's up bro yeah i mean i do like it since i mean they're kids so they should talk like kids um but maybe a tad bit of an overuse of Bro and cuz. Bro was very overused. Dude, even when, uh, uh, what's his name? God, I always forget his name. Nateum was dying. Loak was like, bro, stay with me, bro. Come on, bro. You gotta stay with me, bro. And I'm like, bro. you could just say his name or you could say brother. You just hit, bro. Bro. Bro, he's hit, bro. He's hit. Oh, we gotta get him out, bro. And I'm like, oh my God. They're saying bro so much. I don't know. I think anytime Spider said bro, I don't know, it just irked me. Or cuz. Loak, more, I was more forgiving of the times you would say I guess. But, it just yeah. still felt like they overused the word bro. They certainly did. Yeah, yeah. I wonder who came up with that. If James Cameron's kids say that he's a lot. On the, he's sitting on the director's chair, watching them in the water, struggling to breathe, and he's like, he's you're not bro. saying bro enough. Needs say bro more. <laughs> it's They're not enough. They're for air coming up, going, <gasps> yeah. said, you need to go back down. You missed a line. What did I miss? Bro. Bro. Miss bro. You miss bro. Get down in the water, hold your breath, and then mouth hey, the word bro. Bro. Say it. A <laughs> bunch of a bunch of blue people saying bro a bunch. Mm-hmm. That's a potent mix. <laughs> um, but yeah. So okay, yeah, I think Kiri, I think it's possible that she's been imbued with some of Awa's force herself. Okay. So whenever they were trying to do that thing. Wasn't able to save Grace, but then like inputted some of, I don't know, Awa's spirit into Kiri. And that's why she's able to do all this force nonsense. Because how else would she be able to do that? So it would have to be something where like, yeah, like the other components of the so equation of how Grace, the baby came part about Awa. part Awa. Yeah. Part Grace, part Awa, and part Norm. <laughs> I think Norm is not a part of it at all. But yeah, I think Awa, Awa's got to be in the mix. Otherwise in that potent mix otherwise how else would she be doing the uh you know yeah controlling that's right all part grace controls. part awa that's a potent Ooh. mix <laughs> it truly is dude yeah, they that one really that is line. they're gonna use oh. that <laughs> oh my god it's gonna be so good Korge comes up and he says that exact line he's like wow part human scientist part, part mother nature <laughs> that's a potent mix 
I hope they do it. Oh my god! And then he cuts her throat. <laughs> Too damn potent. Yeah, I had to take her that. That'd be so good. <laughs> and then, okay. So do you think? So we've already lost Nintail. We lost one kid. Yes. Brutal. So Spider, do you think? I think it'll be a long time do, before another one dies. I think so too. Do you think, I think maybe Spider like four or five? Will, another one will die. Do you think Corch will become good? I hope you not. They're setting that up. I also hope not. I think he's he works well as a villain, and I like that they're adding some shading to him, giving him some. I like that he has depth. Qualities. I like that he's he's like teasing exactly. the idea of being a good guy, but in the end of it, like in this movie, in the end of it, he's just the baddest of the bad. He's, like, he's saying, "I'm yeah. gonna murder your whole family." He literally said, "Yeah, I will kill your wife. I will kill your son. I will kill your infant daughter." Like he was going, "I want someone to kill Spider. I want Spider to die somehow, so it become even more Dang. personal for him." And then he goes full brutal. Like I want him. It like because right now it's like a bit personal because they murdered his you know human body, whatever. And, but I would like, like if he like forms a bond with spider and spider, like, like even, ah, it'd be kind of cool. Like he betrays the Navi, like something pushes him away and he betrays them, but he's teetering on the edge of like joining forces with court. So it seems like their relationship might be repaired in like a messed up sort of way. And then he dies and court loses that. And then it becomes super personal for him. That would be setting up a good villain for the fifth one. Right, for sure. The big bad Corch. I think they do need to branch out and add more villains. I don't think Corch can carry the load for five movies. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to go on like an arc for a few movies where he's just like a side villain and then you throw in another bad in there to take his place so that he doesn't have to, like we don't have to count on Corch being the bad guy the entire time. You're like right. someone just to take the heat off of him so that we can like be with him as a character and not just as a villain. And then we can bring him back around as an even bigger, badder villain by the end. Cause For it sure. should be core. He should definitely be the final villain. Oh, the yeah. final boss. Cause he's just the bash of the bad. He is. He's too good. He is truly um, tough. So yeah, I like that, that idea. Um, I'm excited to see where they go with Loak. I think, again, I think he was a solid character. I like the way that he's reminiscent of Jake. Um, being that very impulsive outsider character. And now he's sort of ingratiated into this new culture and he's with the princess, right? The tribe leader's daughter. Mm -hmm. So I like the way they've done that. And then however they carry it forward, I think there's definitely room for that deep emotional complexity. He likes to bring in the sequels with his guilt around Natayam's death. Cause he did sort of say, Hey bro, 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 let's go, let's go save our other bro. Let's save spider. And then he died and he was like, Oh, so now he's yeah. going to deal with being without the a guilt. Because he spent yeah. the whole movie pulling the Tam with him in two very dangerous situations. And then said, he was like, you're going to get your brother killed. And then he said, I did. I did get him killed. So <laughs> Damn. I also, I like um, the way that ties in with Pyacon too. Because Pyacon got all those people killed that he rallied to go fight. So now him and Loak are even more tied together of, you know, trying to make a stand, do something right. And then it ended up causing some deaths. So I think that'll be an interesting avenue to explore with him. Looking forward to that. Yeah, learning about Kiri's backstory. What is the father or is it Awa? Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. They uh, set up a lot of good stuff for our franchise. They I think did so a lot too. of good groundwork in this movie. They absolutely did. I also hope we get more of Neytiri because she, yeah, which is necessary because you have to introduce all the kids, but she did take a step back, as did Jake, but Nateria a little bit more so. Jake still had some kind of an arc. Nateria's arc was to just be there. 
she was there. I mean, yeah, they showed her like resistance early on to like, I don't want to leave my home. Um, but then she had to sort of adjust. But and then, of course, like all that emotion at the end there. But I do hope you get more of her because I love the little yeah. dynamic of Neytiri and Korich. Like Korich is pissed at Neytiri because that's truly the one that killed him. Yeah. Um, and so he has a vendetta against her specifically as well. So I like I that. recognize your calling card. Exactly. That's um, a good one. It is. And then I think, yeah, I think they should expand on that Neytiri and spider dynamic because it is fascinating of her, someone who has like accepted a human, Jake, uh, into her life, but yet Spider, the son of Korich, she's not able to do that. And then when she has a good reason to not really like Spider, finding out that he's helped save Korich, yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how they play that up. Um, but yeah, Zoe Saldana's just amazing, especially oh, in yeah. the role. She's the like, best. by far the best of the like performance For capture sure. stuff we've seen. So I yeah. hope, yeah, they give her a lot. Kate Winslet was also killing it in this movie. She's not in it a lot, but when she is in it, she's serving. Sure. she's just the best <laughs> for sure so yeah i think yeah i hope they do give an expanded role which i'm sure they will in the sequel because they have a lot to juggle duke i don't know what they're going to do with her they're going to keep having her be the child character because i hope they give her some kind of arc maybe she'll have a bigger arc because they're gonna yeah, there's gonna, gonna be some kind of a time jump when you get to the fourth one hopefully when she's older and the actress is older they can have her do more yeah but yeah i think for now she'll just be chilling out as the like innocent child role, which is fine. I mean, kids kid in distress and they help, don't need help. to go through crazy arts. So, you know, it's a, uh, but yeah, I am, I'm excited for the future of Avatar. It sounds like you are too, at least. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'm stoked. Nice. All right. How many tukuns out of five? Four and a half. Oh, solid. I'm giving a four and a half as well. What was the half for you? Like, what, what, what took away? It was a lot of spider. Like, I just don't think that lands at the end, and it's pretty crucial. It definitely yeah. feels like a, we need Quaritch around, so we got to have someone save him. So I don't think that was delivered enough. Um, and then I think the first hour was a little rocky with the... Mm-hmm. Like, I was surprised at how quickly Quaritch comes in contact with the kids and then, like, has them captured, and then they have yeah. to like escape for a bit and i was like that was really i like that scene though i thought that was i really do like well the action of it but i was yeah i don't know it just didn't for whatever reason click for me of like how immediately we lurched into that and then the rest of it is like them not in contact i thought all. it was cool because it was like this aliens thing of like this team of marines is going in and then they're all going to get picked off one by one but we're on the side of the thing picking them off instead of the side of the marines i thought that was mm-hmm. interesting yeah and then uh i thought a lot of the cross-cutting between Spider and Quaritch and then the Sully family early on was yeah very was atrocious. I was surprised because there was a, a shot where there was a bit where they were uh, when Quaritch is first getting on the Vanshee and he falls down. They just cut to Jake learning how to swim on the thing. And I'm like, wait, you can't just cut there. And then they cut back and I was like, you can't just cut back. Like, what are you doing? Like, this, yeah, is, I agree. this is an awkward moment. This is an inopportune time to cut. And I think it's because they wanted to increase the pacing to make it feel not as long, but instead it just made it awkward. I agree with that. Yeah, as I was watching it, I was picking up on that and I was like, wow, okay, so I don't have to worry about Avatar swooping in and getting the editing Oscar because, yeah, yeah that, was, that was rough. And I can see, like, rough. yeah, I think your idea of they wanted to increase the pacing a bit um, and then, I don't know, they wanted to draw a parallel between learning the banshee and then jake learning the new animal but they could have edited that not, better if they really wanted that to be a connection that they had yeah it doesn't seem like that was, 
something that was envisioned in like the writing of those two scenes being back to back and played as parallels. It seemed like something that they were like, okay, well, we need to we need to check in with Quaritch here before we cut back to the other thing. So let's uh, let's put them together. And so yeah, it seems like there was a lot of stuff cut out. Which again, I mean, there was a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. I'm sure. So that was probably part of why it came out clunky. Um, but it does get better later in the film, I think. But yeah, yeah, early on when they were trying to balance those two things, it was not quite working. But, I mean, yeah, 4.5, extremely solid film. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I also Amazing. will say, I think the design, the characters and the Navi have increased. I think they've gotten much better. I think those they are cool. I also think the... The, the, the original Navi, part. yeah, their, their design is very good. I feel like the original Navi, they were intended to look very tall. And the consequence of that is that they look also very slender. And they didn't they look do. muscular very much. But in this movie, they put on some some muscle. And it looks well scary. for some of them. Yeah, I do. I noticed Jake for certain is a yeah. He's like put on a bit of weight. Some of the Marine people were like bulked Buff. up. Yeah, yeah especially uh, a Quaritch, bro. He was still pretty bulky for sure. But it makes sense that I mean they're supposed to be like the feline sort of thing. Like that's the yeah, of course. Speech they're playing off of. So them being very slender, very tall, obviously it, it makes a lot of sense. I um, mean, then I liked yeah how they're pointing out the differences in the forest people versus the sea people. Like the very thick tails for the sea people, the forearms that were sort of like wide um, for swimming and whatnot. I thought that was cool. Also, yeah. there's one final matter we have to address from the yes. Wakanda Forever episode. Do you remember this? No. Your day of reckoning is here and you don't even remember. How could you? So it was the, I don't know if this was a joke you were making. You can maybe retract it now. But you had said in Wakanda Forever that the Talukan people, the blue people from that, were the same color as the sea people in Avatar. And I was like, no shot, they're teal in Avatar. And they're just straight up blue in Wakanda Forever. In the trailers, I swear to God, they were a different fucking color. I swear to God. I swear to fucking God, (laughs) they were a different fucking color. Like I swear to God. They wouldn't have just changed in the ninth hour. James Cameron's they like, were you know definitely what? a lighter blue in oh. Avatar. Avatar was definitely a lighter blue, but I swear to fucking god, <laughs> I swear to fucking god, because because the forest people are like a darker blue, right? So they're also yeah. not the same as the Talakon people. No. So the Talakon people are like somewhere in between the two, but I swear to god, I swear <laughs> to fucking god, that the Avatar, the way the water people were, a slightly darker teal in the trailer. Maybe certain shots they showed. Maybe they showed shots of them while they were in the water. Mm-hmm. And so they, they changed the shading of it because they were mid-water. I swear <laughs> to fucking God, they were a different color. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. But no, they are not the same color. Right. And then one but final... But it looked like they were. <laughs> and then one final question to send us off and wrap up our Avatar discussion. Yes. So, we talked about James Cameron, the master of the sequel. Uh-huh. The big question is... Do you think that Avatar The Way of Water is better than the first Avatar? Oof. This is a hard one to answer. I think even with all the criticisms I said about the first Avatar, I don't know. Uh, My big criticism for Avatar The Way of Water, which I didn't say yet, was that I felt like it was a little too long. I felt like there was definitely, it could have been balanced better. The storytelling could have been balanced better to where they could have gotten the same effect 
half an hour shorter in the same way the first movie did. Like they got a lot of story to tell, I'm aware, but I felt like there's a definitely a better way they could have balanced it. But he's also got four other sequels to worry about, so I'm not I'm not or three other sequels, so I'm not like dogging on him for making it too long or whatever. I felt like the first Avatar was paced a lot better. I felt like the story was balanced a lot better with with where they were going with it. Mm-hmm. But the the sequel has better character arcs and better individual like moments for those characters. Whereas the first one is very focused on Jake and Neytiri and all the other characters are kind of sidelined in that regard. It's hard to say because they both have very big pros and cons. If you had asked me this before we started this discussion, I would have said the first Avatar, but we talked about Avatar The Way of the Water so much, and I remember it a lot more now that we've talked about it, that I'm starting to like it again, because I really enjoyed watching the theaters. Mm-hmm. I thought the action was a step up in The Way of the Water as well. I just... I go back and forth. I am disappointed that Neytiri wasn't featured as much as a character, like a real character in Way of the Water, but I get it, I guess. Oof. This you answer first because this is a hard question. I have to think about it. I personally, for me, I still think the Avatar is uh, above it. I give a five stars to the first Avatar. There's just something about it, man. Like again, the whole exploration phase in the forest, I think, is I just personally prefer it to the the water stuff. Like seeing them hop around in the bioluminescent forest and the tree trunks and some of the like animals they come across, like the seed the seeds of the soul tree that are like the little jellyfish thing that land on them. I like that a lot more. I like the, the way that it ties in with like Jake and Nateri's romance, them like learning about each other. And then he's learning about the world and he's falling in love with both. I really like that. I think the, which the same can be said for the way water, but the third act action set piece is just so amazing in avatar. But I do think I prefer that to this, uh, the way of waters one. Um, even though, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of character driven moments in that way of water sequence. And then the whole Titanic thing is pretty awesome. But I would say overall, I would prefer the original avatars final battle sequence. Um, and then, yeah, there's just, there's some really solid moments of that first avatar that I remember just falling in love with in 09 and then really falling in love with all over again in, the re-release that I had seen a few months back, the home tree destruction, like when that goes down, I thought that was a an amazing sequence. I don't think it gets enough credit, to be honest. Because, um, yeah, that was just really powerful, really well done. Um, so, yeah, I think personally for me, I like Avatar. And then, yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, but I'm much more forgiving of it not being as original just because I think the spectacle is so well executed in that. Um, and so I like that Wave Water does offer a bit more different stuff while still delivering on, you know, the same essential themes of environmentalism, save the whales. Um, mm-hmm. But then, yeah, they take some more family focused approach. I like all the new characters that got introduced, but there's just something about that. That first avatar just, it speaks to me. It sees me and I see it. But what do you okay, here's, here's Which what is I'll your, do. your, here's what I'll do. Here's, here's the deal I'll make. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't, like if I had to rank Avatar, like on our five scale rank, sure, I'd probably give it a four at most, which is less than the four and a half I gave Avatar: The Way of Water. That is true. So I think Avatar: The Way of the Water is a better movie, 
because of the character arcs that they deliver and the way that those pan out, except for Spider, of course. But I mean, if you're going to go for it, of course, you might make a mistake, a mistake at some point or a misstep. And I'm more forgiving of them going forward and making a mistake than not going for it at all. However, the first Avatar truly is very iconic. Having seen it now as an adult and having fully understood like what it's trying to convey and everything that it is. Even though I don't think it's a better movie than Avatar The Way of Water as a whole, I will say I do like it more. Wow, interesting. So I will give it to the first Avatar. You know what uh, maybe you should do? <laughs> you should go and see Avatar The Way of Water again in the coming weeks so you can, one, support the box office. And then Fuck two, you, I'm not watching it again. It's three and a half hours long and it hurt my nose. You can try it in 2D, see how that experience is, and then you can feel how you, you know, you can see how you feel about it now, having watched it twice, and then whether it raises in your estimation and overtakes Avatar. Because it is fascinating that you gave a you four probably Avatar. You to the box office numbers. Well, I mean, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't need you to, because that thing oh, is going sale <laughs> over $1.5 But You need me to go see Puss in Boots. That's what you need. That's true. I think I'm going to go see Puss in Boots to help. Uh, you know, what's really me. sad yeah. is that I kind of liked the first Puss in Boots. And from everything that I've heard, this is like a far superior movie to the first Puss in Boots. So go watch it. Which makes it. me we'll sad it. that it's doing so badly. Well, go support it then. What the heck? Well, no, I just can't. This is your no, chance for you. to get no. Shrek 5. If you don't support Puss in Boots, what about Shrek? I'll pass. Shrek the 5th. I'll pass on Shrek 5. If you, well, are you going to pass on Puss in Boots? I will watch it when it's on a streaming service. What the heck? I'm not going to go to theaters to watch Puss in Boots. Theaters? A, because it'll help you. And B, because I don't have a lot of free time. I'm not going to drive all the way to the theater to watch Puss in Boots. You hate the movie experience. You hate theaters. You hate I do not. Just I'm heard. just more picky about what I see in theaters because I have a nice setup at home. Mm. I think Puss in Boots is a cinematic experience you need to see in a the theater. Fucking <laughs> Scorsese. Exactly. It is cinema. But all right, there we go. So we each gave 4.5 for Avatar The Way of Water. We do yeah. think it lives up to James Cameron's, uh, you know, his moniker being the master of the sequel. He delivered a, a great sequel. Yeah. Although for each of us, it doesn't overcome the original and how we like that one. I do think you'll have to sit on it and think more. And you probably should see yeah. it a second time. To, I should probably to watch the first one as well. A little more. Um, but I'll be interested to see in a few weeks what your final take is on these two films. Yeah. But yeah, and here we go. Yeah, we will revisit this in two years when the third one comes out. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. That is all the time we have. If you'd like to give your thoughts on the show, you can email us at theboxofficeshowpod at gmail.com. Our main title theme for the show is Sundown by Joseph McDade. If you like the show, please give us five stars on whatever podcast app you're listening to and be sure to tune in next week. Have a great rest of your day.